Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of Rupa Publications India and Infinity Foundation, I extend a very warm welcome to each one of you to the launch and the book discussion on artificial intelligence and the future of power, Five Battlegrounds by Mr. Rajiv Malhotra. We are connected with technology and another dimension of this is artificial intelligence. How much has it entered our lives? What is it, its influence in our daily interactions? Is the machine a friend or a foe? And most importantly, is India ready to brace this new power of artificial intelligence? To talk about this and much more, we are joined today by an esteemed panel, and it's my honor to introduce them this evening. We have with us Lieutenant General PGS Pannu, former Deputy Chief of Indian Integrated Defense Staff, Shri Vallabh Bhanshali, a leading investment banker, investor, venture capitalist, and capital markets expert. Dr. Shailesh Kumar, Chief Data Scientist at Center of Excellence in Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning at Reliance Geo. We also have with us Swami Sarvapiyanandaji, Minister and Spiritual Leader of the Vedanta Society of New York. And of course, Mr. Bhupinder Chaube, Editor-in-Chief and CEO at India Ahead, who will be moderating the discussion today. And of course, our author, Mr. Rajiv Malhotra, the man of the evening. Thank you all for making the time to discuss this very important book. Now we will have the publisher's address by Mr. Kapish Mehra, Managing Director, Rupa Publications. A very good evening to everybody who's joined us at this book launch. Uh, it is a matter of great pride for us to have the opportunity to publish uh, the book on artificial intelligence by Rajiv Malhotra. It's not very often that books on this subject are written, especially because uh, this is a subject that everybody talks about, but really nobody pens enough about it. Uh, AI has become probably the most important uh, subject for us to deliberate upon, discuss further, especially as we turn into the new year uh, and to see the ramifications of what a good AI or an evil AI can achieve. Um, we really don't know what lies ahead of us, but this book couldn't have been timed better, especially as we are beginning to come out of this pandemic. We really don't know uh, the direction the technology will take us in and the thought processes that it will define for us. Uh, it is our privilege to publish uh, somebody like Rajiv Ji, considering his in-depth research, meticulous um, planning towards every project that he takes up. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, talking to various experts, uh, doing enough background checks uh, or going to the depth of the issue. Um, it is, this book couldn't have been authored by anybody better than Rajiv Ji. Um, and, and I'm grateful to him that he gave us the opportunity to publish this one. Uh, I wish him and everybody associated with the book the very best. Uh, and I'm quite certain that something like this will be well received, uh, not just in India, but across the globe. And this is a book that will probably be the go-to book uh, in time to come because AI is here to stay. And I'm sure understanding AI is also here to stay. So with, with that, very best wishes to Rajiv Ji and the entire team. And I hope uh, that this one is a great success. May I now request Mr. Rajiv Malhotra to kindly say a few words before we move into the panel discussion. Thank you, Vasundra, for organizing this. And I want to thank uh, each of the panelists uh, who've taken the time and they are subject matter experts in various various domains, uh, persons of eminent standing. 
people I've invited, I've known, and I've invited them specially to be part of this. I'm extremely grateful for them to have uh, accepted this. The field of AI is inevitable. It's not a choice of whether we want it or not, it's happening. Uh, and, and it's not inherently good or bad. It's a question of how human beings use it. It's like atomic energy. It's like any technology. Uh, you, the, as the quality of human beings, so the end result. Now, the, this means that given it's a huge tidal wave, a huge revolution, and its outcome will be both good and bad, depending on different people who use it. Uh, we, it. We have to spread awareness. We have to get more people at the table to talk about it. It should not be just the elite, the leaders, and the technocrats and the policymakers. It should be people at the bottom of the pyramid, the village panchayats, the districts, the states. Uh, they all have to get involved. Uh, different industries, different uh, labor groups have to be involved. The migrant workers have to be involved because it's going to affect every single one of them. The, the, uh, uh, the unequal impact uh, is what concerns me. Uh, and, and, I, I, and the purpose of this book is to stress test, uh, you know, nation state, uh, stress test various communities' robustness, how, how they'll respond to all this, and to be a voice that in, brings more people to the table so that the conversation becomes broader. The AI will create probably new, new uh, haves and have-nots, not only as individuals, as industries, some will die, some new ones will emerge, but also certain nations may become colonizers, like China could colonize Pakistan or large parts of Africa, which I think is already happening. AI has uh, specific issues in India that I'm dealing with in this book. The R&D has lagged behind, while at one time, India was the software superpower of the world. The question is, how come the software superpower of the world uh, in, in the field of AI, which is software, now lags behind. And was it, were we too involved in labor arbitrage and did not invest enough in products and futurist technologies? And that's how China got ahead of us. Another factor could be that both US and China have what I call the military industrial academic complex, uh, which is a, a, an ecosystem of collaboration between military and academics, Huge projects, huge grants are given to the academics. A lot of uh, alliances between the defense and industry, a, lo a lot of that. Uh, and China has the same kind of a model. Whereas in India, they tend to be separate silos. A DRDO and military research and is one kind of a big establishment in itself. Academics is mostly about teaching, not research. Teaching and campus politics, unfortunately. When I went to grad school in the United States, it was a it was a great uh, you know experience that my professors were uh, defense they had uh, defense de uh, grants uh, you know pentagon grants uh, and they were part of this futuristic stuff at that time i'm talking about early 70s and it's always been like that uh, and there were also a lot of uh, faculty members and postdocs uh, having grants from industry uh, so you know the industry would give these people grants and then they would go and get a job in that industry. I don't see enough of that happening uh, in India. The book's purpose is to do a stress test on you know what happens to a very populated country, overpopulated country like India, undereducated, a lot of unemployment. Uh, India is waking up to this because of the China threat. Uh, 
Unfortunately, many of the thought leaders are following and reacting to events elsewhere. So for example, recently Trump got banned in Twitter. So it's ha it has an echo in India. A lot of waking up and saying, oh, you know, maybe our data is not secure and maybe these foreign entities are, big, are too powerful. Well, I've been writing about this and talking about it for five years and nobody was listening to me. The very same people I visited their offices and visited a lot of them and asked them to join this were not interested. But now over the weekend, since Trump got banned from Twitter, the very same people are out there echoing the sentiments that are reflected in this book. In this book, I've covered the, what I call Google Devata, Facebook Devata, Twitter Devata. Are we giving too much importance and too much power to these foreign entities to adjudicate who will speak in India, who won't speak, what kind of speech is allowed, what, what will be censored? And I, I have been fighting this for a very long time. And now, now because the Americans are fighting, therefore the Indians are also waking up. This should not be happening. We, our leaders should be proactive. And I, in this book, I bring a lot of issues, a lot of provocations to, in order to stimulate debate, in order to get more thought leaders worrying about it, uh, figuring out how to do AI in a nice way because AI is a great tool. Medically, it'll have solutions. For agriculture, it'll have solutions. Defense, it will protect us better. So we need to do all the good things that AI can do. We also need to be vigilant that there are people in the world who will, who will do things that may not be very good for us, whether it is surveillance on us from another country or whatever. The rules of engagement in AI, the data policies that are being debated, there is a European policy separately from the American policy. China just came out with a China data policy that they want to propagate. And of course, India is also debating one. This is like as fundamental as Westphalia. Westphalia rules which define what is a nation state and what are the laws and what sovereignty all about. It's going to be renegotiated and redefined in this digital era because of artificial intelligence and the, the debates on data. So with that, I will, I will stop and uh, turn over to the, uh, the, 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 the moderator and hope that uh, we hear many different points of view. And thank you very much, everybody, for participating. I would like to request all our panelists to kindly hold up the book to, as a mark of a book release. Thank you, everyone. Over to you, Mr. Chaube. Oh, well, good evening. And, and uh, what a great pleasure it is to be a part of, uh, of such eminent people. I was rather intrigued when I started going through the book. And when I looked at the, the broad segmentation of what Rajivji was, was really trying to address, so effectively, he's, he's tried to break this, break this entire conversation around artificial intelligence into five parts. Battle for economic development and jobs. I think from an Indian context, it's a very, very significant thing. Every time I, I visit the United States, I see, you know, specifically at airports, for instance, I see machines are over a period of time replacing human beings. And, and, and the process of uh, machines replacing human beings only seems to be getting accelerated if you're a part of a developed world like the Americans. Uh, maybe if as and when it starts to unfold in India, maybe at a slower speed right now, but as it goes along, I'm sure it throws up for different challenges for our political democracy. Battle for power in the new world order. I think that uh, post the, the corona pandemic, the, the extent to which the global world order ha has been changing uh, just today, some uh, friend of mine was, was asking me this question as to why is it that while the Indian GDP growth rate has reduced to where it has reduced to, why is it that the markets in India are on fire? 
and it appears to be there doesn't appear to be any relationship between the two maybe the world is waking up to the potential that that india has maybe it's a fire money which is coming in the capital which was perhaps let's say invested in countries like china maybe brazil is today or the uk looking for newer opportunities newer avenues and maybe maybe india does present itself as a as a viable option but for psychological control of desires and agencies i'm sure that uh, you know, pannu will uh, will have lots to say uh, on on this specific subject battle for metaphysics of the self uh, and its ethics i think that's a that should be a cue for for swami sarvapriya nanda ji to to tell us exactly what is the relationship between philosophy between vedanta for instance between religiosity and artificial intelligence and finally battle for india's future all of us here today would only want the very best for our country and uh, and if science and if artificial intelligence if data control i think rajiv ji was absolutely spot on the ball when he speaks about the big debate which is taking place right now here we are and and you know the entire discourse in india is should you be on whatsapp should you not be on whatsapp should you be on twitter should you not be on twitter is there information is there enough education i think these are these are some of the points which i have on my mind uh, and i look forward to these points being addressed uh, as we go along so since i'm the newsman in in the business challenge let me let me begin with you let me throw up uh, the news curve ball first to you you know this whole this whole debate which is taking place in in india as we speak right now my data not being secure therefore my digital identity not being secure and somewhere some algorithm which is lurking somewhere in the background knows more about me myself in comparison to what i may happen to know about my own self where do you think where this debate is headed specifically if we were to look at it in the context of india shailesh yeah great question and i think uh, you know we say that uh, data is the new oil so whoever controls the oil controls the you know economy right and that has happened we have seen it in the real oil economy now it is going to happen in the data economy and uh, you know at 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 least in reliance and in indian context we we believe that ownership of the data is with the with the user with the customer who has generated the data not the application that has you know consumed it right and as long as we we have a clear policy around that which says hey you are giving me data you are helping me build a better product and you should also be able to participate in the economy and if you choose not to then we are not going to use your data if you choose then we're going to pay for it right because we are taking data from you it's like when when shell pays a you know crude oil company to extract oil we we should be you know doing this kind of thing so i think data has not yet reached that stage of maturity in the in the you know in the context of the way we talk about it but if really it is valuable uh, you know people who are generating it and owning it have to be uh, extra sensitive about the economics of it as well as the ownership of it as well as the misuse and abuse of it which is what regulations and other things uh, have to be there to guard against and with the birth of you know uh, gdpr and other such regulations around the world after we have seen the misuses of it we are now waking up to this uh, potential of misuse and now you know like in any other field in any other technology you know regulations catch up uh, behind technology here also it's going to catch up and uh, there's no right answer but i think together we'll evolve the right answer but before we get to there we'll probably make some mistakes and we are already making some mistakes i want to i want a very fundamental point and the more i i delve with with rajiv ji's uh, book and what his arguments in the book the more i was asking myself this question that how much do we actually know 
you know, how much do we actually know about data and, and you know, it's, it's storage, it's, as you were talking about, that's a big global debate. So, Mr. Banzali, let me, let me bring you in on that one. You know, in this new global world order, where India is from a, from a data point of view, where India is in terms of how much we actually know about these new, you know, these new machines, these new tools, which, which obviously are working at much, uh, much speedier rates, much higher rates in comparison to the human mind. Where do you see India? in the context of this entire story and the entire debate around data, Mr. Bansali? It's a great question. Um, and it's linked to what you said earlier about why the market is going up. And that should probably tell you something about the value of Indian data. If you are one sixth of the global population and amongst the largest large economies, probably the fastest growing with an outlook that we will remain the fastest growing for several years with demographics and whatnot, this data is most valuable. And uh, so question is, uh, I also want to link it to what uh, Dr. Malhotra said earlier about our software business. So there's a difference between IT and what is called deep IT. So while we were in IT, we were at one periphery, peripheral end of the IT. But when it came to core IT, we were nowhere there. We have not invested in the core technologies that sustain all of this. So, you know, while somebody had semiconductors, so even countries like Korea woke up to the potential of this and it went there. In the absence of that core IT, our ability to create the infrastructure soft and hard to deal with all these data issues is very, very limited. So while our data is extremely valuable, uh, we have had some wake up call in terms of payments and you're seeing that Google Pay and uh, WhatsApp Pay, et cetera, all trying to you know, for all the credit card, you know, you see cricket match and you see Craig and all spending millions of dollars to get that data about the credit card spenders. So it's, they have already segmented the Indian economy uh, from which is the most valuable part of Indian economy. For example, those who have credit card who are spending today and to get all the data about it. So I, I don't think our systems have woken up enough. So fortunately, we have something like Rupay, UPI, et cetera, which is in recognition of data colonization and the value of our you know, data. But as a system, as Dr. Malhotra rightly said that, you know, the whole idea of the book is to forewarn uh, in advance and we've done an expert job, elaborate job, et cetera. So I think our data sensitivity in certain circles is there, but it is nowhere near uh, in terms of first understanding and in terms of preparing to deal with it, you know, without core IT and, you know, all the processes, the soft processes take a long time to come up, even if we invest in hard uh, core IT. So I think uh, while we have great potential in terms of economic growth, if we have the right policies, also in terms of probably, you know, becoming a world leader in several areas, but as of this point of time, the warning that he's giving, the battleground that he has, uh, you know, elaborated is absolutely fantastic. And I wish that we can do something about it. Dr. Malhotra, if I was to say what happened at the Capitol Hill, where, you know, the world saw the extent to which uh, algorithms could, uh, could control or manipulate physical public behavior, actual on-ground public behavior. If I was to ask you to draw comparisons in terms of what are the lessons that India needs to take from what happened there, what would those lessons be? Maybe two or three tips from you. Yes. So a book I wrote, Breaking India, talked about the foreign nexus working with the forces in India 
you know, whether these forces are Maoist forces or Islamist forces or evangelist forces or all kinds of, uh, you know, Dalit uprisings, different fragmentation forces. I talked about that. That was that started a whole movement of discourse for the past 10, 12 years in India. A lot of people talk, now talking about it. This book says that the breaking India forces are now moving to the next level with artificial intelligence. The AI, the AI is propelling BI 2.0, Breaking India 2.0. So this question is about that. What is happening to the Breaking India forces, like the ones in Capitol Hill, like the riots in uh, Hong Kong, you know, so on. These are all triggered by social media and the social media knows what buttons to push, who will react against CAA and who will react against Article 370, who will react for it, which communities to send what messages, what fake news to send. All this is known to the machine learning algorithms which are controlled by these digital giants and the digital giants have this AI mechanism to unleash this. So if you are in their good books, they will not do, uh, they will not do those kind of, that kind of mischief. If they don't like you, they will push that button. One day they may ban you, the next day you are their hero. Uh, so what is going on in this book? I call it the return of the East India Company. And I feel that the Googles of the world, the Twitters of the world, the Facebooks of the world are dangerous like the East India Company, out of control of any government, they become more powerful, they will become more powerful than governments as far as data is concerned, the way the East India Company did. And they will, the, like the East India Company adjudicated between this Raja uh, having a fight with that Raja and saying, okay, I'll, I'll support this one against that one and end up getting some, something out of it for myself. These companies are going to do that. They are going to get into the political dimensions. They already are. When they make a decision on which politics is good, which politics is bad. And they've done this to my uh, Facebook page, my Twitter page, my YouTube page for years. And I've been, I have a team that argues with them all the time. Uh, we put up a panel uh, with General Pannu a few days ago, Indian military and AI. And we got a notice from, uh, from uh, uh, Google that uh, this is in a appropriate. Now, you guys, you guys can please go to that panel and tell me what's inappropriate about it. And so it's their algorithm. So the algorithm ha has its own biases. The algorithm has its own value system, which is, uh, which is not based on Indian value systems. It's based on somebody's ideology. So basically, AI gives a mind amplifier. You can amplify your mind. You can amplify the influence, psychological ops, psych ops, psychological warfare. It can help you do all of that. And now there, there's a pyramid of power. AI is this big machinery. At the top are some owners who own all of, the, all of this stuff. And they tend to be sitting outside of India. It's very dangerous for India. And at the, bar, at the lower end are the consumers. So India has become a consumer of foreign AI. India is a consumer of foreign AI. But, but you know, Dr. Malodra, if I may value on that point, and then I'll bring in the general Pannu on that. You see, you look at the trajectory of evolution of Indian politics over the last 10 years. Those politicians who have succeeded today are politicians who successfully you know, who successfully chased the artificial intelligence dream, so to say, the, who mastered the algorithms. I mean, Prime Minister Modi is a great example. He's, he was, you know, one of the pioneers, so to say, of, uh, of using Twitter or Facebook or, you know, YouTube and converted himself into a much more accessible politician. Why do you then say that today the same algorithms, which may have helped a certain political thought gain currency, why would the same algorithms today be a part of what you describe as BI, Breaking India 2.0? So the book explains 
that our politicians can be blackmailed because their Gmail is being read. There is natural language processing, which is doing, which is analyzing their posts, their, their instant messages, their WhatsApp. And it's not a question of move from here to there. The point is whether you're on, on, a, on Amazon or whether you are on Flipkart, which is owned by Walmart, the, the most of the, of the Indian digital economy is the, siphoned off uh, and there's no way to really stop it unless you do what China did, which is to build your own platform. And I've been saying for more than five years, India should have its own platforms. So while uh, one Raja may have defeated other rajas using the East India Company platform, uh, but in the end, the East India Company controls the string over this guy. If the if the Chinese wanted to bring down the Pakistani, they have enough data knowledge and uh, scandals and to, uh, skeletons in the closet to make sensations and to uh, to you know bring those people down. The same way, I am absolutely convinced the American. I am absolutely convinced of the following: the American digital giants have enough stuff on Indian ruling elite. I won't name them. Whether they are politicians, whether whether they are public figures, whether they're academicians, whether they're industrialists, they know their scandals, they know their secrets, they know how to abuse them, how to make them happy, how to make them cry. And this power is so huge today. We are just waking up after this Trump uh, crisis uh, over Capitol Hill and Twitter and all that. But I've been talking about it for many years and I've been disappointed that our leaders did not take pay attention to this. Uh, and many people who knew my book, uh, Mr. Chauve, many people I shared my book with two years ago when it was in a draft, in India said, don't write this book because it will give ideas to our enemies. And I said, you are underestimating our enemies. Our enemies are smarter than us. I'm trying to wake up our leaders. It is not that it'll be news to our enemies. They're already doing all this. It sure, is our sure, leaders sure. wake up. Well, so I'm glad that this, all this Twitter thing has happened uh, and, and the clash with China happened in a sense because it's woken up our people that we better get on to the AI and control the AI ourselves rather than having foreign AI. Let's take that point forward uh, from, from what uh, Dr. Malka speaks about. You know, for the longest time, if, if I was to say, draw an analogy between what was going on between India and Pakistan, it was always felt that the Pakistanis had a far more evolved system of psychological warfare when it came to dealing with India. They had better control over media. They were, well, I mean, you know, better control over some of the Western outlets. And then somewhere it all changed, certainly post-2014. Where, when it comes to algorithmic warfare versus physical warfare. Where would you say, General Pandu, where, where is India position when it comes to warfare on the basis of pure algorithmic warfare versus actual physical warfare? Uh, thank you, Bupender. Uh, firstly, you know, Rajiv has put me under caution because uh, he's already changed my mind because he says that the Google is watching me and I must watch my words because uh, even if I'm not saying anything, they just might find some meaning out of it. Uh, but now when we are on the subject of warfare, it is a very serious matter. Uh, in fact, I write about military 4.5 and uh, I have said that the military evolution actually rides on the industrial evolution. As a result, when you came from the analog world and you're shifting to the uh, digital platforms, there is a lot which needs to be shifted. As a result, when you find that the machines are going to be fighting more, and the manual application is going to be that much more lesser, that is also going to be applicable to human decision-making. When the machines are going to aid human beings to make a decision, then you do not know actually as an outsider from where the decision came about because the raw data only gives you information which needs to be processed into intelligence. And when you talk about the wholesome application of artificial intelligence, then you need to understand one thing, that we are not talking about artificial information, you're talking about artificial intelligence. 
And artificial information is something which can be fed to you and it can mislead you. But I think you need to have your uh, search engines of a human mind and you have to have search engines which are more powerful to decipher what good information and bad information is processed into intelligence. And if we are going to be baffled with that, then Pakistan or China put together, and I'm going to talk about China a little more uh, here and after, that China has actually gone into Pakistan in a big way. Earlier, it was just Pakistan in its original shape that was dealing with us. It was um, conventional warfare, and they, they failed in the conventional warfare, and then they brought in an atom bomb, and then they say, now because of deterrence, you are checkmated as far as the conventional warfare is concerned. And then they realized that they cannot match up and therefore they started investing in low cost investment, that is terrorism. And then the whole world really went onto a platform of global war on terrorism. And today we are talking about a hybrid war. When you talk about hybrid war, Pakistan and China put together combined has gone into a hybrid war. It means that military application, digital application and psychological warfare all put together uh, where the organized militaries would be fighting with the special forces and the disorganized or the subconventional operations will fight a hybrid war. Then you do not know which is your front because today when you talk about a front, I have written about the reverse front. You could be attacked from your hinterland and your soldiers would be just uh, kept waiting as if somebody is going to come from across the borders. No, it has already gone into the minds of people. The moment you captured minds of people, you've actually started destroying the command and control structure because people and the leadership is going to start on the lines on which your adversary is happy that you're thinking on those lines. As a result, our strategists need to understand that the information which comes from outside should not be reacted upon immediately. The information that comes from outside needs a very deep, very, very a patient understanding of why this information was fed to us, because what happens is it is the speed, which is very important. Uh, the artificial intelligence actually has taken you to accelerated acceleration. It is not even exponential. Accelerated acceleration would mean that what you achieved in the last 200 years, you are set to achieve in the next 30 years, where your human population is going to go uh, uh, from where it is 7.7 .7 or some million like that, to another 2 uh, billion in next uh, 30 years. So on one side, you're going to achieve what you achieved in the last 200 years and next 30 years. On the other side, you're going to have 2 billion people added. And when Rajiv talks about that we are going to see a period of disequilibrium and which is going to start this decade, I think it has already started. And it yeah. is going to carry on till the end of the century. It actually makes me really sit with my hair-raising you know, nerve uh, you know, asking me, hey, listen, I hope I'm not already digitally colonized. When I talk about China, China for almost 20 years has been talking about we will fight wars under the condition of informatization, which means digitalization. And as a result, when in 20 years, what is this informatization about? Isn't that they will get more information? They will have satellites? They will... No, they're going to manipulate your information. And once they manipulate your information, they will allow you to take wrong decisions. And when you're on the wrong side of the decision-making loop, which chessboard will allow you to win this? I think we have to be extremely careful that it is not Pakistan alone. Uh, in the cyber world, you do not get attacked from where you think you are being attacked. The, uh, the servers are located somewhere else. 
and you will fight the shadow where something else will strike which is not even visible uh, i hope i have spoken about this data information and intelligence i think when we are speaking about intelligence we have to break it into raw data which is only information process the whole thing to your advantage uh, it shouldn't happen that we are on the wrong side of the curve i think that is where when rajiv ji talks about five battlegrounds he is actually cautioning you to wake up in all these fields and then you know in the fifth battleground that he is talking about india i hope we are not the ones which are going to be on the on the receiving end of human 2.0 and we are not reduced to only a labor class of the world and that is what he says and i think that is where we need to do huge amount of work and i'm very happy that he's taken it upon himself that in next couple of years or maybe this year we will wake up to this and put certain deterrents into place so that we all indians who have been ruled for thousands of years or at least 500 years which uh, has been documented we was we were enslaved by whoever you know you can talk about british and you can talk about moguls but they worked on one thing they knew that we divide ourselves faster than they would divide us so it is very easy to divide us feed that to us and we will divide ourselves faster than anybody would want to break and that is what breaking of india i think we got to break up to this idea i you know i, I think those are very very wise words uh, from you jaripan when you know when, I, when you were talking i was i was thinking about this movie which i recently saw on netflix which actually captures some of these points uh, which are being made by you called the social network and what what really uh, interested me that in these big giants that we're talking about google twitter there is some there is a position there called the chief ethics officer now the chief ethics officer is it is an individual who's supposed to keep these algorithmic platforms on an ethical plane and these are the people you know who in course of this movie actually came out and said that our conscience was not allowing us to continue doing what we were doing because all of us thought that some way we were manipulating human behavior so when you say that who are we fighting are we fighting a shadow are we fighting a reality i think uh, i think that observation is spot on but let's bring in let's bring in a spiritual sense now with the uh, with swami sarupananda ji in the, into this swami ji how does one live in today's world there we were talking about post truth world post corona pandemic world now we're simply on the basis of the observation which have been made on this panel today i'm wondering do we even know what kind of world are we living in you know because we wake up with what's what's coming on our whatsapp we wake up we see a facebook stream we wake up to see a twitter stream and our mind is already manipulated how 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 does how do these kind of tech platforms these kind of algorithms how are they impacting genuine human behavior have you forgotten what genuine human behavior is all about thank you bupendra ji uh, yes uh, i think there are certain areas of concern and that's what rajiv ji has done in this book it's not a pessimistic book by the way uh, he's just it's a it's a wake up call uh, it's a technology which is coming probably nobody can stop it uh, but he just wants us to be aware of what is coming and how it can impact diverse fields uh, across the world and especially in india so if you ask me about spirituality uh, vedanta uh, uh, ethics there are certain areas of concern and rajiv ji has very ably raised those uh, uh, concerns in chapter 5 of this book uh, i would um, point out for example the area of attention concentration focus attention that's a big area of concern uh, the in spirituality another area which is very important is the purification of the mind chitta shuddhi 
that again will be impacted by these new technologies. Another area is this uh, whole ultimate goal of human happiness and fulfillment, uh, meaningful life, fulfillment, human happiness. That's another area which will be uh, impacted by these uh, technologies. Another area is free will and human autonomy. That's another area which will be impacted. Let me just talk a little bit about the first one, which is uh, attention. Um, so if we notice what has already happened and which will only be exacerbated by the new technologies, it is that uh, uh, these platforms, especially social media, they talk about an attention economy. It's no longer enough to have very nice content on your website or, because everybody has got lots and lots of content. They very quickly realized what they're really fighting for is our uh, cognitive bandwidth, our attention. Uh, so it's all about money, of course, for these platforms that they, they get advertising revenue if uh, more and more people uh, visit their websites and, and watch their pages, pages and so on. But what happens is we have a limited attention span. And the whole point in spiritual life is to train and direct the attention towards a, a higher goals in, in a human life. Um, now, these technologies want to grab that, that space and they are doing it very effectively. There's a new documentary out here. It's making waves in, uh, even in um, college campuses. It's called a social dilemma. How Facebook and uh, Twitter and other social media platforms they continuously ask for our attention. You know, the phone just goes ping and we, we look at it. How many times we look at the phone unnecessarily throughout the day. And we are talking about the chief ethics officer at Google. They pointed out in one um, interview that uh, it's, it's based on the model of, a, say, Las Vegas gambling, you know, uh, machines, which uh, train you to keep on trying, to keep on looking at these, uh, these uh, devices. Now, um, the Upanishads say that the reason we are not enlightened, the reason that we are not spiritually developed is uh, our attention is drawn outwards. The Upanishad says, khani tasmat um, Our senses are turned outwards and therefore we see the external world and uh, not the inner self, the Atman within. Now, would that be so? If it were actually looking at the external world, that also is something good. We have stopped, even stopped looking at the external world. If you go to an airport lobby and you see uh, everybody's looking at the screens, not even at the external world. We are looking at a virtual world which has been interposed between us and the external world, let alone the internal world. Um, so this, I have noticed, uh, for example, scholars, um, students, and professors uh, who are really good at their job or, or their studies, they in fact keep social media, the internet and these devices at a distance. When they need to focus, they need to do deep work, they cut themselves off from it. And that tells us something. Um, so this has a unique power um, it, and it has to be used carefully. And uh, that unfortunately is not happening so much nowadays, I think. So concentration, uh, disturbance in our attention, capturing our uh, that, that's attention space, this is what these new technologies are already doing. And I think what Rajivji is saying that AI will only magnify this problem several fold now. So that's one point. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the question of attention that you were talking about, Swamiji, I, just, uh, let me narrate one incident. You know, Amitabh Bachchan, the famous movie star, was in our studios uh, uh, during the normal times when you could meet people physically. 
and he made a, a rather interesting observation because you know in, in news channels uh, particularly in india you see too much movement on the screen so he asked me one day he said then why do you think bhupen there's too much of movement you know there is some text coming here there's some scroller coming here so as a not to capture viewers attention so he gave me a data he said that the attention span today of an individual is a minuscule 2 seconds that's all that you have so you may you know you <laughs> the, the biggest movie or the biggest visual project that you make you make it that every 2 seconds something has to happen or if something is not happening you make the person feel that something is happening but challenge that brings me back to you you know for giants like you where you all control the pipe that your reliance geo uh, is bringing in i think a, a revolution uh, the scope and extent of which i, I i'm not sure if uh, a lot of people understand but i spend a lot of my time in rural parts of india i've just got myself a, a, a 5g you know high fiber connection from from geo and, and i myself i'm seeing you know the kind of differences and the kind of opportunities which will open people up to now on one hand is the challenge of attention therefore impacting human behavior on the other the huge business opportunity which platforms like geo get if a pipe ends up getting embedded with let's say algorithmic platforms like google facebook you know everyone who matters today is invested in in in, in geo how do you anticipate platforms like geo pipes how do you anticipate them impacting human behavior in a country like india i think uh, you know this is a great question and i think uh, at the end of the day we have to see how we are going to use technology or how the technology is going to use us and you know that is uh, the debate that uh, we need to have which is you know have we become uh, wise enough to use this awesome power correctly right so you you have great use cases of technology and you have uh, dangerous use cases of technology and in every area whenever technology comes up we start with the bad use cases and then we learn from it and then we start to realize that we need to move to the good use cases so at least in the in the geo world we are looking at um, you know connectivity and ai and a combination of all this for the upliftment of the country right and if we think of the right use cases uh, you know education healthcare agriculture we are going to you know increase the proportionality of good use cases of ai versus the proportionality of bad use cases of ai right and and that is that is kind of the turning point that we have in this debate now which is very important that hey you know if we wake up to it if we wake up to the raw power of ai and if we wake up to the right use cases of ai we can really accelerate the growth of human civilization in india in the next decade or so otherwise you know it will be a peril of of you know of a very large proportion right and that is the turning point therefore this manthan this churning this debate is very important and this education of the masses is very important as to how to use it you know one of the examples i'll give you is as soon as you know geo came up or when google announced the wifi data download free from railway stations and all the first use case was people going to these places and you know downloading a lot of videos and watching them on youtube right is it improving human productivity or is it you know uh, versus now during pandemic a lot of people are watching education videos in the same same way right so is it the fault or the you know is it it's up to us how we use the same technology and um, our chairman said you know what if the pandemic had come 5 years ago when nobody had digital connectivity how would it be in terms of education and other things so yes i think you know ultimately it will be depend on us how we will use it and uh, i think that's why this debate is very important 
that all of us needs to be educated on this aspect of technology one observation on what shailesh ji said sure that's right uh, i mean obviously any technology depends on how we use it but i think one area of concern with these technologies is they are not neutral uh, somebody pointed out that the difference between your mobile phone and the landline which we had is that the mobile phone is being constantly reengineered to grab your attention um, so it's not neutral it is actively often sometimes very autonomously trying to manipulate you rajiv ji in that uh, book he points out that there are active interventions at every level of our senses of our reactions of our emotions of our thought processes so this is one thing we need to be aware of you know what i what i would what, what i i agree with you i agree with you and and this has been a work in progress for a long time but you know mr batsali from a if i was to look at it from a corporate point of view and i'm just trying to understand on the basis of what shailesh ji was just talking about i get a sense that what has happened is that technology today is 100% business you know whether it is artificial intelligence machine learning it's all at the end. what's the purpose of upgradation of technology is it to make more dollars is it to is it to create a more evolved society do you think that there is a disbalance somewhere today that the whole purpose of technology today is how how to make more money so ethics we damn and therefore these kind of challenges that we're talking about sojali whenever something new comes up in the world there are different constituents who react to it differently military will react differently politician will react differently and so also the businessman businessman's goal primarily is to maximize one's wealth uh, through profit maximization and so this is no different but i think the challenge here, here is that we don't have a level playing field we need three level playing fields for us to be able to cope with this at the consumer level after all nothing can succeed unless the consumer takes to it and the consumer is used to choice if the consumer is given intelligent choices they move on very quickly and just now you know you're seeing this battle all our phones are full of you know whether to move from whatsapp to signal or to botem or to whatever else etc so if you the consumer has choice consumer is remarkable in the ability to deal with it but if the consumer has no understanding he is at uh, he is at the mercy of the businessman and the businessman many a time is saying you know he is not pushed they can, they can be monopolies and you know just as you have western monopolies over a lot of the technologies now data etc if we had allowed our companies to compete or they were being forced to compete maybe they would have also responded in a better way and the last point is you know at the policy making level how whether they have the freedom a country which has you know budget deficit trade deficits etc etc military deficits it always finds itself on the back foot and therefore we don't have that freedom and therefore you know you see a taiwan a japan a korea react differently you know what they have done with their freedoms what india has done with its freedom or bangladesh is doing vietnam is doing and then you know lot of other countries who have not declared even that well so the corporates are very clear that the corporate is pushed you know we have seen 91 pre 91 corporate and post 91 corporate when they are pushed they excel the private sector is excelled in so many different areas but they still feel when they compared to the western world they still ease of doing business etc you know the situation so i think freedom giving creating freedom and intelligent use of freedom you talked about you know disunity and things like that and i think that is the challenge so when we have good policies we have democracy which is really working the freedom is at its best 
America has the same problem. America is also going to lose jobs. So every wave of technology in America has also created the same doubt, the fight between corporate and consumer, etc. But because of the greater freedoms that they enjoyed, I mean, it's amazing, remarkable, and I don't have to go into elaboration. So I think the corporates here are no different. Mukesh Bhai has done a great job. I think we have Shalish here. Uh, in terms of you know, recognizing all of them and trying his best, it took great risk. People don't realize that when he built this leveraged balance sheet to build all these assets, he took a great risk. And eventually now is proving to be a great service to the country. He will also need competition. So I think if the corporates are pushed and they're given freedom at the same time, we have the best bet where we are. I don't want to get into you know, to that judgment. Right. Uh, let me let me bring in General Pandu then on, on this one. You know, we've looked at it from, from all sides, from, from a corporate side to a spiritual side to who controls the pipe. And I think somewhere along the line as we as we go along, I think the role of uh, the responsibility, so to say, of Reliance Geo will, will really come under scanner and under finer scrutiny, which is why I was trying to make this distinction between technology being just an enabler for making more dollars versus technology actually being leveraged to, you know, create a, a better society. But again, you know, purely from a military uh, viewpoint, General Panu, you know, there's been a lot of criticism in India about the amount of money which we're spending to upgrade our facilities, for physical structures of our, of our armed forces. Where are we when it comes to creating an infrastructure to understand, to propagate, and then effectively leverage what artificial intelligence algorithmic tools really have to offer as far as the military is concerned? Um, Bupinder, uh, we have uh, not moved away from the analogous systems, unfortunately. And uh, wherever we are talking about the digital platforms, most of them are imported. Because uh, when you look at our DRDO labs, we hit a roadblock where it comes to uh, power. That is, how do you send power to an electronic gadget? Uh, we are woefully short of power you know, miniaturization, you know, power packs and batteries and what have you. And people have been talking about fuel cells. Then, of course, you know, uh, when you talk about electronic cars and other stuff. So power is one one issue. And uh, there is a reason that why we, we are stuck on that. And we, we are going to look somewhere else to get these kind of uh, technologies and that kind of a hardware uh, to power our uh, systems in the future. Second thing is materials. Uh, as far as materials are concerned, again, when you sit in a DRDO lab, which I've had the privilege of visiting most, um, you say when a scientist is carrying on doing a research work, he uh, hits a roadblock because the material has to be imported, even aluminum for that matter. Um, you talk about uh, uh, carbon fiber, uh, you talk about cobalt. I mean, you talk about basic material to complex material. Unfortunately, most of the material has to come from outside. And when you have a study on the rare earth materials, you know that there is a planetary um, exploration of materials and materials will also come from Mars and Moon, which we may not have an access to. And somebody ultimately who shifts from the rare earth materials to the planetary materials, you will find that we will keep getting foxed and something on which we will not be able to apply ourselves because we did not have the basic research material in these materials. And the third thing is electronics. Uh, we are good in designing because we have brains, you know, we have IIT and we have some scientists who have applied themselves. Unfortunately, there's a brain drain which has happened. Uh, in the, uh, you know, human development index, you know, we have unfortunately slipped this year from 128 to 131, which is a huge slip because 189 countries who slipped to two, two slots is huge damage because 
what has happened is in the human development index if we are sliding down uh, it means whatever human development assets are there or human assets are there possibly are uh, moving elsewhere to other countries and contributing to their r&d because we do not have those facilities we do not have the materials to work on and we do not have the systems on which we can uh, engineer a design because our fabrication is suffering our fabrication is suffering because we do not have those uh, capacities to fabricate even your semiconductors for that matter so this is the story of hardware when the hardware is alien you program anything it will go into the asset of building the alien resources or the data goes somewhere else and the information and the processing goes somewhere else now as far as software is concerned uh, it was very rightly being said that we do not have the core it i mean of course we do the basic stuff and at the end of it if we have to write algorithms now you know since i uh, talk from the military perspective if you have to write an algorithm on how we are going to fight a war you need very experienced professionals to actually foresee how the future battles are going to be fought and only you can write those algorithms that way but if you go to actually write the algorithms of yesteryears and how the conventional battles are going to be fought we would falter so so as a result when you have the hardware in which i talk about the pme which i spoken about the power materials and the electronics and then you talk about that we do not have the core it uh, into it uh, this will all contribute to a national security uh, capability because our tech power is going to be a major major contributor to um, uh, the uh, gross national power and the gross national power cannot progress unless we progress on technical power and the technological power really talks about the human development index and the innovation index and you know if you really study these two you would realize that we are investing on the minds of people which are now trying to go somewhere else and our minds are being hijacked by people we do not understand uh, they have understood this as well you know like swami ji was also talking about that uh, this gadget mobile phone every 2 minutes is sending you some information unfortunately most of us just see this information and react to it the moment you react to it there is somebody who's actually seen the reaction of uh, millions of people in india oh if i send this piece of information this is how that becomes a data because then he would manipulate you accordingly and that is where you move from the analog to a digital warfare and you change the minds of people when you change the minds of people unfortunately you actually go out of the military realm of war fighting you go into a larger dimension of destroying the minds of people the moment you destroy the minds of people uh, rajiv ji has spoken about colonization what is colonization colonization is a the gadgets which will colonize you your dependency on the gadgets and the mind where completely the human control will rest with the machines and before that of course you know when you talk about the control over the human agency and the psychological control of the public in uh, that he is speaking in the third battle ground it is complete manipulation of mind when your minds are manipulated and you are being prepared and he, he says the labor colony of the world you will un, unnecessarily get into a slot where you will manipulate and somebody else will manipulate you and and the role of the military would not be sufficient because mm. how do we get those people out of the mindset uh, it is extremely important to get a loyal soldier it is very important to get a motivated soldier a soldier well, may that's... be loyal but if he is not motivated uh, uh, you know the morale itself uh, without morale a soldier is a dead man without morale military is a dead machine 
of soldiers winning us the war whether it's going to be replaced by an algorithm you know <laughs> getting us uh, getting us even with our enemies but uh, dr malhotra uh, you're the you're the man of the hot seat and uh, you're the man of uh, of the moment so let me give you the final word i just want to understand today and you i know you've tried to argue in your book as well are we as a race are we becoming a dumber race today will this generation of ours we looked at as a dumb generation which was dumbed down by algorithms how will we look at in say in history so somebody somebody in the us asked me what's the most provocative statement you've made in the book and i said that uh, machines are getting smarter everybody knows that but people are getting dumber people don't want to uh, admit that and i call this the moronization of the masses because we are we are becoming googleized uh, to look, look dependent on them uh, with uh, the wikipedia siri what they tell us is must be true uh, because so and so got more retweets and likes and therefore he's more famous and his channel has got more followers so he must be right so i think the the western digital media driven by the power of ai is defining truth defining popularity defining you know who's more uh, special for matrimonial purposes for job purposes who's who's more electable which media person like you bupendra is going to do well i mean it, it, it in your field also it's a question of who's got uh, who's got more score and the scorekeeper the umpire the scorekeeper are these kind of ai giants and these ai giants are sitting somewhere else in the world so they are they've defined the game they've appointed it's like they've defined the game they've appointed the referees they made the rules and we are all playing each other and they are making us play each other okay and this is a very fascinating game that uh, the zuckerbergs and the uh, all these guys from various places are playing we are we are being played by them okay so this is a this is why i wrote this book because this is so important and i feel that the leaders of india be they political leaders be they you know think tank leaders be they religious leaders be they business leaders just don't get it because this is happening now you know i know this for a fact because for 5 years i've been going around various uh, places of uh, significance important people trying to get an audience trying to uh, i've written so many private reports confidential reports made powerpoint presentations on these ideas for many years no audience so then i decided 2 years ago i'm going to go public and i'm just going to write a book and let the public know and let the chips fall where they may so this book is the result of failure to get responsible action from top leaders of and i won't name them and it's not one it's not about a party political party this is sort of across this is ias people this is uh, people in uh, you know people in academia people across society so indian society's leaders uh, need to wake up that's my that's the bottom line of this book wake up and smell the coffee i think that's a that's a straightforward uh, assessment which is coming uh, from you dr bolotra yes. thanks yes. what a great conversation it has been and uh, it has been as a, as a citizen as a as a newsman it has been enormously enlightening for for me as well to just understand the, the challenges uh, which are ahead of all of us i wish you very well dr bolotra and continue good work and thanks to all of you back to you vasundar
Thank you, Mr. Chaube, for leading this fascinating discussion. And our panelists make some very interesting observations. And I hope it will edge our viewers to read the book. Uh, the book is available on Amazon.in and all leading bookstores across India starting today. It is also available on Amazon.com and www.aiandpower.com. Once again, uh, a thank you to our panelists for making the time. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Have a good evening.